You're listening to the New Life Church Sunday Morning Podcast. We're a family of believers in Anderson, Missouri, that want to experience God in a real way, both inside and outside the walls of a building. For more Sunday messages, upcoming events, or to get in touch, visit new-life-church.net. So Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 15 is where we're going to be this morning. While you finish turning there, I'd like to just do a couple of quick highlights of our last message of Titus, the previous two verses, 9 and 10. And so last week, uh, we, we read those verses. When we talked through those, we looked at those. It was about slavery. Um, and we discussed how slavery is a very real and prevalent problem for many people in the world today. Um, that while it's not such an issue in the country of the United States as it was a couple hundred years ago here, uh, it is very much an issue with many countries in the world. And there's over 45 million people in slavery, in bondage, um, taken not by their own choice in most cases, women and children uh, being the majority of those. And, and that our response to that should be to be sensitive to that, to be prayerful about that, to be considerate of that, that the world is a far bigger place in McDonald County far bigger place in our home or this church or our workplace and it's so easy for us to just kind of get the blinders on and, and the tunnel vision and we just go to our couple of four or five or six different places and forget even though we pass hundreds or thousands of people on the road every day forget that there's a much bigger world around us and that God is working all around us not just in our own personal lives and that he cares for each soul that we pass on the highway uh, and, and I know it's not as significant thinking about that driving around the traffic in McDonald County as it is, say, in northwest Arkansas, where we currently live. And we keep hearing about how traffic's just horrible when you come down there. And we're like, what? Because uh, well, we're used to it. But as I've been coming up here more and I go back home into it, I'm like, oh, wow, it is pretty bad. And so, but then and I think about that and, and God gives me pause and goes, every one of these cars has one, two, four, five. If it's our car, it's like seven or eight people in it that drive by that God cares about and God loves. And he has a plan and a purpose for their life. And, and it can be very overwhelming sometimes to kind of have those thoughts. So when, when that person cuts you off and you're like, oh, or they, or they get right in front of you and then slam on their brakes so they can turn. And you're like, oh, really? Lord, help me not to, yeah, okay. <laughs> Move on, you know, take the deep breath, use some coping skills. We don't know their story, do we? We don't know what kind of day they just had. We don't know if they just lost somebody they love. We don't know if they were just in a fight with their child or their spouse or their parent or a sibling or, or if they just got fired from their job. We don't know their story. And so we can have that kind of grace. Um, I've sidetracked. I'm already jumping into my sermon a little bit. Sorry. Continue the review here. Uh, for those of us not in a physical bondage to slavery, we are spiritually. Every single person that is born on this earth is a slave or a bondservant in some form or fashion, either to sin and darkness or to Christ by choosing to receive his love and grace and mercy and forgiveness and believe in him, asking him to be Lord of our lives. So we are one or the other. We are a sin to slave and darkness or we are a bondservant to Jesus Christ. And Romans 6 is where you can look up that 
my premise for getting that. And then the other thing that we looked at, that without Christ, the Holy Spirit living in and dwelling in us, we will be a rebellious people, not a submissive people. This is where we kind of compared and contrasted the text. So slaves would be to submissive. And instead of being submissive, we would be rebellious to our bosses, to the government, to, to the authorities in our life. Our speech and contact will be irritable and provoking, not pleasant and encouraging. We will be thieves and dishonest, not upright and honest. We will be unfaithful instead of faithful. We will be an embarrassment, not a blessing. Are you an embarrassment or a blessing to your employer? Are you an embarrassment or a blessing to your parents, kids? Are you an embarrassment or a blessing to fill in the blank? And it's about pleasing Christ, not about pleasing man. Because when we please Christ, the pleasing man part will happen. And we, we also discussed when not to. When it's okay not to, when it's unbiblical, when it's immoral, when it's unethical. And then we ended our time by answering the two questions. And we, and we need to answer these questions, not just in word, but also in deed. The first question is, is to look inward and to say, what am I a slave to? Am I a slave to sin and darkness or am I a slave to Jesus Christ? And then which one would I rather be? Sin and darkness, the guy out to kill, still, and destroy? You can chase the things of life and the things of the earth, the, the material things, the, the so-called pleasures, the things of the flesh. We can chase those, but when we wake up the next day or a month later or whatever, however long it takes, oh, that's not hope, that's not joy. But when we are to Christ, it's not a get-out-of-jail-free card. It's not that everything's going to be perfect and I'll never have a late payment on a bill or that I won't ever get laid off or that all my relationships are going to be perfect. It's not about that he's promising an earthly prosperity for us, but he's promising an eternal, godly prosperity for us and that he will be with us as the waves and the trials of life come and wash over. And so as we transition to our text this morning, I'd like to share a story that I believe, I believe that sums up this section of Titus that talks about grace. A story comes uh, from a Christian minister. In the very early one morning, he was having a sleepless night, and he was, he was sitting at an all-night-long cafe in a large city. And he's, you know, if you can imagine, uh, yeah, exactly, just like that. Pulled up to the bar, you've got the cup of coffee. If you've never been to one or experienced one, you've probably seen it on a TV show or a movie. And he was drinking coffee at the counter, and then a group of prostitutes walked in and took up all the stools around him. They just kind of came in and take over the place. And one of the girls' names was Agnes. She lamented the fact, and he just overheard sitting by them that it was going to be her birthday the next day, and that she never in her life had a birthday party. The minister started thinking, wow, what a... What a great idea would it be to surprise her with a birthday party? And he learned, and so he started conspiring and learned from the cafe owner that, the, that these girls, these prostitutes, came in every morning around 3.30 a.m. when they got off. And after discussing the idea together, the cafe owner agreed, and they would, they would set the whole cafe up with streamers and balloons and, and have cake to celebrate this birthday for this lady. 
Evidently, word got out on the street. And so uh, by about 3.15 the next morning, a.m., it was packed out. I mean, it wasn't just the normal group. It was multiple prostitutes that came in and people wanted to witness this. And so with all the prostitutes, the cafe filled to the brim with, with prostitutes and, and, and ladies and uh, whatever all they did and were involved in, and the cafe owner and his wife and the Christian minister, she walked in and, and saw the streamers and the balloons and the confetti, and they sang happy birthday to her. And at 43 years old, she had her very first birthday party. And as they started to cut the cake and have cake, and she's just like, nobody's even ever made me a cake before. Can I, do you think it'd be okay if I, I took some of this to show my mom? And they're like, well, yeah, absolutely, it's yours. She was just stunned in silence that somebody would actually care for her in this way and take time to celebrate her life. See, birthday parties like that rarely happen throughout the world. We tend to stay away from people making those kinds of choices in life, style decisions. And we don't give them the grace that Christ would give them. You see, the cafe owner and his wife had not been going to church for quite some time, but after hosting this party and seeing this minister go to this extent and love on these ladies in this way, and especially Agnes, they said, you know, that's the kind of church I can be a part of. It's a church who loves the unlovable, a church who reaches out into the community, regardless of where they're at, and the choices that they're making. You see, this is a story about grace. Some might say she didn't deserve a birthday party. Some might say that was a wasted expense and wasted time. She's probably back out on the street the next day. Maybe she never chooses to accept Christ. Was it a waste? I don't believe so. Because if we are pleasing Christ and not man, it is never a waste, regardless of that person's decision to follow Christ or to turn away from that kind of a lifestyle or not. You see, this Christian minister was also once a slave to sin and darkness and experienced grace at one point in his life. You see, the cafe owners also in the same boat. And every single person in this room, whether you've experienced it yet in your life or not yet, maybe it's still in your future. You see, grace has been given to every single one of us. Paul, who wrote this text, inspired by the Holy Spirit to Titus, experienced grace. And many of us know that story. A man who was out purposely trying to grab Christians, torture, jail them, kill them. God sought him out and shined, literally shined grace down on him. What about Titus? We don't know all of his backstory, but at some point he received grace and continued through his life. You see, grace 
saves. Grace also trains. Paul trained Titus, discipled him, as well as Timothy. Paul was trained in grace. You see, many times we skip over that part. It's in Galatians chapter 1 and 2, and we think that Paul was saved on the Damascus Road. He was blind. A guy, God sent, I forget who, a guy to come and help restore his sight. And then Paul went out and just started all his missionary journeys. That's not true. There was actually around three years that Paul went and held hold up and just learned and became a disciple to be trained in grace. And that grace continued to train, continued to redeem Paul, Titus, Timothy, you and me as life went on. And by that redemption, I mean when Paul was tortured and beat and shipwrecked and starved for the gospel's sake. And then that grace cleansed him, cleansed him and purified him and motivated him to do good works for Christ, not out of duty, but love. And Paul, who's gone on before us, is purified and glorified at this point in heaven. And someday, we'll get to sit down with him and have some conversations. And I look forward to that. So our text this morning, Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 15. If you would, would you stand with me again like we did last week? If you're not able to, that's fine. No problem. If you don't fill up to it, that's fine. But if you would stand with me and I'll read the text. Just a little thing that we can do to show honor to the, God's word. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, instructing us to deny godlessness and worldly lusts, and to live in a sensible, righteous, and godly way in the present age, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to cleanse for himself a people for his own possession, eager to do good works. Proclaim these things, encourage and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. So let me, let me make sure that we're 100% clear. We're on the same page when it comes to grace, that when I'm talking about it, we all know what I mean. So grace can be defined as the free, unmerited love and favor of God toward man. The free, that means we didn't earn it, we can't earn it. The unmerited love, God's never on the hook with us. We cannot do enough good works or good things to where God owes us anything. It's unmerited love. It's free. He freely gives. He pursued. He is the initiator, not us, in all things. It's his favor towards us, his creation. You see, we get all the benefits and privileges because of God's atonement through His Son, Jesus Christ. Because He initiated, because He saved, because He loved, because He pursued while we were still in our sin. He didn't wait for us to start making good choices or to be good. He pursued us while we were still prostitutes, while we were still thieves, while we were still beggars, while we were still lost. Whatever. Grace also is a divine influence or the influence of the Holy Spirit renewing the heart 
and restraining us from sin. And that's in 2 Corinthians 12. Grace can also be seen as the application of Christ's righteousness to the sinner. And that's in Romans 5. Grace is also a reconciliation to God. It's in Romans 2. It's also spiritual instruction, improvement, and edification. That's in Ephesians 4. Grace is also eternal life in 1 Peter 1. It's favor, mercy, pardon, unearned kindness. Grace also is Jesus Christ personified, as we see in our text this morning, Titus 2.11. So this morning... Based off the title, as you can see in the bulletin, we're looking at grace and how it saves, it trains, it redeems, and it cleans. I know the text says purifies, but cleans just smooth. It's just smoother. So just help me remember it, and hopefully it helps you remember it. Grace saves, trains, redeems, and cleans. Verse 11, grace saves. Okay, it saves us initially from our sin. That is the first act of it. There's another word for that that we use, uh, it's called justification. So grace justifies, it saves, it brings salvation for all people through Jesus Christ appearing. And it's not that every single person will be saved. That's not what this text is saying. What it is saying is that he has made grace available for every person. And then we have the option of choosing it or not. We have the right to choose to be a slave to sin and darkness or a bondservant to Jesus Christ. Because we cannot truly love Jesus Christ without the option of being able to reject him. Just like Agnes, a Christian minister, the cafe owners, and the other prostitutes, they all experienced grace in some way. Not necessarily all of them chose to receive it. God, our Savior and King, he is perfect and holy and so much so that he cannot have sin in his presence. Like, but Matt, I'm pretty good. I'm a pretty good person. Have you ever taken a pen? You're out. He is that perfect. He is that holy. He is that righteous. Have you ever said an unwholesome word? I have. Have you ever fudged on a timesheet or a tax return? Have you ever gossiped about somebody? Have you ever... I mean, we all have. I hate to break it to you. If you came in here thinking you were sinless, I might be blowing your mind right now, but you're not. You're not. So I'm sorry to kind of rain on that parade for you, but I, I can't not tell you the truth. But because we are... But because we are, he has given us grace. He has given us Jesus Christ. And that is our hope. Because it's not about our choices. Because I'll blow it every day if it's about my choices. Every day I'd be losing it. But it's about his work on the cross that cannot be undone. It's his love for us for you every single one of you he knows your cells he knows your inner thoughts he understands your heart when you don't even understand it 
Have you ever had that feeling? You're like, I just, I don't even know. I mean, we have that all the time. A simple illustration of that is, is Carlos, I want to be fluent in Spanish. I want that, but then I don't practice it. I don't even know what I want, do I? I'm messed up. I would love to be better at playing guitar, but when I only play once a week, I'm not going to get better. (laughs) So you see, I want these things, but I do nothing towards them. And God knows that about us. And that should be our hope and our encouragement is that he even knows all of those confusing things that we've got going inside us. And he said, it's okay, I got you. I've got you. I sent my son for that. And we are to soak in his promises. So much so that like Scotty Scotty Smith says, that those promises claim us. That we quit trying to have to claim them. I think that's a beginning step. But that when we are in them so much and we are in his word so much that they... They claim us. So God saves. It was not plan B. It was plan A from the very beginning. Verses 12 and 13. Grace saves. Grace trains. Verse 12 says, Instructing us to deny godlessness and worldly lusts and to live in a sensible, righteous, and godly way in the present age. And 13, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, the grace that he not saves us with also trains us. Is life easy? Is it easy? No. No. As my good friend Leon back there says, it's life 101. When the hard things come and the trials come, that's just life 101. It's going to happen. It's going to come. And here's the good news about that. God gives us the grace to handle each broken, severed relationship, each hardship, and he cares about every one of them. Guys, if he cares about when a swallow falls out of the tree in the middle of the woods, like scriptures say in Matthew, of course he cares about us and our ability to buy groceries this coming week or if a job is going to go smoothly and the client's going to be happy at the end of it. Of course he cares. Now, sometimes we do need to go through those things because I... Again, I've said this before and I'm going to say it again because I need to hear it again. And that is, we don't grow when things are fantastic. Our faith does not increase when things are rosy and good. Now, we might be able to still praise God and that's awesome. And there are times and there are seasons where we kind of come up out of that valley and we plateau off and it's, it's like those plains where they, they go up vertical and then they plateau off and all of a sudden you experience some weightlessness. So we might have those times and those moments of weightlessness of just going, oh, thank you, Lord. But guess what? You got to land. You got to go back down. <laughs> it's coming. If you're not in one, you just came out of one. If you're not in one, you're going to have one. And that's life. 
because there's sin here on earth. And God gives us the grace and the strength through sanctifying us, through training us to handle it. He instructs us to be able to deny the godlessness, to deny the worldly lust, to live sensible. That keeps popping up in Titus, doesn't it? The old men and the old women were to be sensible, live sensible lives, to be righteous a godly way in the present age. Our job, wait. Wait for the blessed hope of Jesus Christ. He's coming again. He's coming again. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus, come. And let us be found glorifying you when you do come. Grace also redeems. And this is a a continuation of sanctification. And yes, redemption can mean salvation. And so it can be justification again as well. But it's also sanctification. You see, back to that one little sin that we have that can separate us from God, that in and of itself is huge and it is significant. And yes, yes, there are certain sins that have far greater consequences than others. If you take a paperclip, that's not going to really mess up a whole lot of people's worlds, right? And I'm not about being legalistic and law-based here, but what's our heart? What's our motive behind all these things that we choose and don't choose to do? That is, that's pretty minimal. Or a white lie, that's not going to affect a whole ton of people. There are sins that affect a whole ton of people. So all sin separates us from God. Some sin definitely has deeper levels of consequence that affect far more people than ourselves. Grace redeems. Most often through suffering. As we've been talking about, Brian and I had breakfast this last week and we, we were continuing this conversation and about suffering. And, and we can mistakenly believe that as believers, things should be really good. That's not what I see in Scripture. This was, this was Christ's, if you want to, it's not a sales pitch, but you know what I mean uh, when I say it this way. This is the way that Christ presented the gospel. Take up your cross and follow me. <laughs> That's, I don't know, in today's terms, hey, step on this landmine and follow me. <laughs> That's what he's saying. But are we willing to forsake some tough times here? and have the peace and hope and grace that he gives us through those tough times for our future hope of eternity with him in heaven where there is no more suffering, there is no more need to find that next high or that next thing that satisfies us for a couple hours or less. When we are fully and completely fulfilled, I, I had a dream about this one time where the rapture was happening and, and, uh, and the rapture, so you don't know, it's when Christ comes back and takes those who he believes, okay? And I'm not going to get into theology of when that's going to take place or anything like that, but he is coming again. That is 100% accurate. And as I was going up, um, it was, and, and it's one of the only dreams I've ever had like this in my life. 
as I was going up, the only way I could describe it is that every single cell of my body was exploding in just joy and just pleasure of going into his presence of just this, I, I don't know how else to, just a more excited than you've been about anything in your life and then multiply that to the millionth power if that works math wise I don't know but as I was going up and then I woke up and I was like and my whole body was still tingling and I was like that's got to be what it's going to be like (laughs) I mean just an unending like so much so I don't even know if our physical bodies might just explode couldn't even handle it I think that's why That's why when Moses said, hey, can I see you? He's like, well, you can look at my back. (laughs) You can look at my back while I go by you in Exodus. And he's like, because you you can't handle looking at my glory. You just can't handle it. And someday we'll be able to handle that. And that is the redemption. That is our hope in our future. As we look ahead. And grace is continues on in verse 14 that it cleans, it purifies, it glorifies. You see, that grace cleans and purifies us, a people for his own possession, eager to do good works. It's not a chore. It's not a duty. It's because I love him. How can I serve him? How can I show him that? And the closest relationship I can think about on earth is especially when, when a man and a woman that God brings together as husband and wife and they have that opportunity to show each other that and to love each other in that way. And I think there's some similarities between a parent and their child. I love them. I want what's best for them. I want to serve them. That's our relationship with Christ. It's not, I can't do that. I shouldn't do this. No, quit focusing on that. What I shouldn't do. And Lord, how can I love you today? Reveal yourself more fully to me so that I might love you more. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Ultimately, that we would hear when our last breath is drawn in this tent, well done, good and faithful servant. And we cannot take any credit for hearing the well done. We'll turn right around and lay that crown at his feet. Because It will have been His grace that He gave us, that saved us, that trained us, that redeemed us, that cleaned us. And this morning, we have that opportunity yet again to respond to His grace. If you have not experienced it for the first time, oh, I invite you to. There is no drug, there is no thing on this earth, no relationship, 
no amount of possessions, no career, no spouse, no child, nothing that can satisfy you as only Jesus Christ can. Because even if you don't know him, there's still going to be life. And I have to confess, if you don't know him, I don't know how you're managing life without him. I don't know. Would you? Would you be willing to let him love you and you love him? Experience that grace for the first time by setting down your pride and yes, taking up your cross and following him. Maybe you have been justified by grace. Maybe it's like the dusty Bible on your nightstand and you need to dust it off. Maybe it's become not as real, not as important. It's faded into the background. What are you pouring into your life that's causing it to fade into the background? What are you allowing to come into your heart and your mind with what you watch and listen to, the choices you make? That's diluting it, keeping it on that nightstand, covering with dust. How will you respond to grace this morning? Including good works. Maybe you think you've got it because you're going about it through good works. Maybe we need to share grace with others around us like the Christian minister did to the lady who had never had a birthday party in her life. It's a simple, easy act, isn't it? Throw a birthday party for somebody. I mean, really, how much time and commitment and effort did that really take out of their life? Are we quick to show grace to others? We're really quick to want it, especially when we're in a hole. But are we quick to share it? Are we quick to give it? When that person cuts us off and slams on their brakes and turns. When that boss asks us to work extra hours of overtime and we have to miss that thing we were really looking forward to. You see, I think that we get too caught up and trying to justify and understand things without a biblical perspective. Because we're dealing with our own personal stuff. And so as we deal with our own personal stuff, we're not as easily able to share grace with others without Christ working in and through us. And so we're not quick to try to figure out if that person who just cut us off might have a story or something terribly going wrong in their life right now and they're not thinking clearly. But if we're about trusting God, how big a deal was it? Especially if there wasn't a wreck, right? And even if there was. If we're thinking eternally, 
You know the infinity line, kids, in math? Arrows goes on forever and ever, both ways. That's eternity. And we're one pixel on that is our life. One itty-bitty, I don't even know how big a pixel is now on some of the new TVs. It's ridiculous. Some of the guys back there might know. Or even if they use pixels anymore. It may not, it may just, I don't know. But one is our life. And then you need like a molecular microscope to see that one accident. At the end of the day, is it about Christ and His glory and His grace that He shared with us and how we can share grace with this person who just ran us over or cut us off or whatever? How can we share His grace with others around us? Maybe the hardest person to share that grace with is in your own home under your very roof. And I'll say, agree to teach on something if you want to work on it in your own life. As God is good that way. He's given me lots of opportunities to fail some and give grace and to receive it these last week. That's why I continue to ask for you to be praying. I need the gospel and his grace every bit as much as every person in this room. And I need your prayers as I do my best to continue to pray for you. And so this morning, we're going to transition to a time of communion. And so communion, if you don't know, communion is an opportunity for those who believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and has accepted his grace for us to pause and remember his work on the cross, his birth, his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection that enables us to have eternal life because that's where he paid for our sin. That's where grace was personified and perfected once and for all. And so as believers, we have that opportunity to pause. We're not cannibalistic in this. We have bread, we have juice, and we do it in remembrance of him. And so my request for you is, is if you know him as your Lord and Savior, please, whether you're a member here or not, please join us and participate with us in this. If you don't yet know him as your Lord and Savior, you'd like more information, you'd like to know, I'll be on the front row. And there was many others in this room who would love to share him with you. And so, as the guys come forward, um, let me pray for us, and then you just spend a little bit of time in prayer yourselves. And then as you're ready, as an individual or as a family or whatever, you may come up and grab some elements and come back to your chairs. And then um, I will read a scripture passage and we can take those together. All right. So Jesus, we thank you for our time this morning. We thank you. God, our time this morning is because of your grace. Unmerited love and favor and kindness towards us because of nothing we've done but because of everything you've done 
Lord, let our response during this time of communion be glorifying to you. Be filled with your grace. Lord, if there's anything in our hearts and our lives that we've been ignoring or pushing to the back that we need to deal with, either in seeking forgiveness, offering an apology to you and or somebody else, you would bring that to mind. You would not let us rest until we do that. And Lord, I ask for the peace that only you can give and the knowledge of the forgiveness that you give us through your righteousness. In your name, amen.